We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to some great reviews we got. Reviews mean a lot to this podcast and to me. MaxSunny05 said it's their favorite podcast. Thank you. Colleen DH said Cookie for Life and that it is your go-to podcast. Pink Shoes 26 said Gorgeous, no notes. Okay, thank you. Melly with a crown said Obsessed and that you love the wedding pics from me and Kate. Thank you for going and looking on my Instagram. Hot plug at Chelsea DeMontez. I post a lot of pics. Beckles1017 said an absolute favorite in all caps and that you're always calling out stepdad energy. Thank you for going out in the world and doing the work. Heavy Yevi said amazing, superb, incredible. And that this podcast also introduced you to other great podcasts like Enemies with Lisa Traeger, which I love her so much. Manda Panda 710 uh, said, you've never been into these type of books, but that you're into this and, and into this podcast. So that means a lot. And Lori Cromie said, call me the cookie monster. You wrote the most beautiful, well-written, thoughtful, kind, kind, kind review. And I just got to tell you, it came on a day when I really uh, needed to read such a thing. So thank you so much. And if you leave us a review, I will give you a shout out on this podcast. But for now, let's dive in to Angela Lansbury and her lifestyle book. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities. I'm your host, Chelsea DeVantes. I'm a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. This week, we are book clubbing Angela Lansbury's memoir-ish-ish book that's really just a personal fitness and well-being book that is really all about self-care, and it is titled Positive Moves published in 1990 when she was in her 60s while she was playing Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote, which, by the way, ran for 12 seasons. I am still blown away by that. Think of the last TV show that ran for that long recently. It's it's like Law & Order SVU and Murder, She Wrote, maybe The Big Bang Theory. Okay, this book, though a health book, is so fun and so sweet, and it actually brought me a lot of joy, and the accompanying video that she made for it is very horny. It is the horniest self-care video I've ever seen. You should definitely, if getting high is your thing, get high and watch it. It is over an hour long. It is very 80s, and uh, there's just 
There's so many crotch shots of her just like gently stretching. It's a wonder to behold. There's a bath. She gets in the bath. Lots of lotion. We're going to play a clip from it now and dive into the episode. Spend about 20 minutes with me and we will stretch some more. And then have some fun with what I call feeling free. Some rhythmic dance-like movements to give ourselves a greater sense of balance and coordination. To me, this stretch is so satisfying. I love this stretch. I feel as if I'm stretching every muscle in my body. Okay, we are discussing the book today with Maddie Bain. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Chelsea. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Okay, Maddie is a comedy writer and film director who just wrote on ABC's upcoming show, Not Dead Yet, which, Maddie, I have not I have not dropped on the podcast what TV show I've been writing on for the past five months. So this is actually the hot the hot announcement to all the cookies yes. that um, I just wrote on a show called Not Dead Yet on ABC with Maddie. It's how we met. And mm-hmm. it comes out in February um, on ABC and Hulu. I'm really excited. I'm also so glad we met. Look at us, Chelsea. I Months know, later. I know. Months later. So so I was immediately like, Maddie has to come on the podcast. But then also when Maddie was um, doing her episode, the writers go on set. And so I was on set with Maddie <laughs> and we would we were talking in the chairs, like in between takes. And the director of that episode, Anya, turned around and was like, do you guys like have a podcast or something? Because we were just like going so hard. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for you to come on to this podcast. So this is going to be the soft launch of oh, whatever ready. tangential podcast we do. Anya's face was like, enough. <laughs> enough, enough. What are you doing? Um, So, okay, Maddie is going to come back because the original book and the book we have to do together is Gilda Radner's Mm -hmm. memoir, which we both read a long time ago. And I know it has a special tie-in with you, but I'm going to save it for that episode because you're coming back. Secrets, okay. Secrets, (laughs) secrets, hot mystery drop. This episode, I actually forced you to do Angela Lansbury's book because I wanted to do, you know, uh, this episode is coming out right before 2023. It is a New Year's, New Year's Eve episode and... I actually love New Year's, the holiday, because it's all about goal setting, manifesting, resets, fresh starts. <laughs> Who do you want to be? <laughs> and so I wanted to do a book that would have that energy, but also uh, not be toxic and be really fun. And I've wanted to do Angela Lansbury's book since she passed away this past October. <laughs> and so I said, will you please read this book with me? Um, and we, so we could do a, just a light, a light, gentle mm-hmm. New Year's episode. Okay, so... Here's how I approach this book. One of my favorite memoirs ever is a half memoir, half like a style and not really health, but like style and body acceptance book, which is Delta Burke's memoir, which we also covered on this podcast, one of my favorite episodes. And so I approached this book with open arms. I was like, maybe it's going to be like that. Um, And so immediately when you start it, she mentions the phrase women of a certain age a lot. So she's very much like this is a diet book for women of a certain age. And this, and I kind of liked how positive she was of like, let's all love ourselves oh, just yeah. because we're a certain age because it was the 90s when we treated women who are 60 uh, like crib keepers. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's still, and it's just like, I like that she was like redefining age for women. Yes, totally. So I liked that. Um, and I want to read page five. To me, good health is more than just exercise and diet. It's really a point of view and a mental attitude you have about yourself. A strong, shapely body is of little use unless the person inside it greets it each day with optimism. Each individual is different, and each of us is born with certain tendencies. Some of us are positive, forward-thinking souls. Others somehow seem to enjoy depressing themselves with negative thoughts and attitudes. We are getting older. That's an incontrovertible fact. It, It isn't smart or helpful to deny reality. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's very like, that. <laughs> um, but I will say, I think I also am approaching this book from a place of like, I haven't moved my body in three years. Um, and this was like sort of a reminder that maybe just like a gentle neck stretch could be good for me. Oh yeah. Even this morning I was like, should I do that thing where she's like, pull your legs up to your chest and roll around. Did you do it? Uh, I literally no looked at my phone to wake up my brain. <laughs> I have to like convince <laughs> myself to get out of bed every day, but I will happily be up until four in the morning any night. I have to tell you, Maddie, I did it. <gasps> she was like, I'll get up 15 minutes earlier than I have to just to have this time to breathe in the morning. It's a moment for myself that gives me a sense of taking charge. And then later she says, after you've slept on a problem, 
You can often see it in a much clearer light. The solution has arrived while you were sleeping, and there it is in the morning. I believe that by taking a moment to breathe in the morning, you take the time to recognize your solutions, to understand that you know how to proceed with a problem that seems like a muddle before you literally slept on it. I said, <laughs> yes, I want to know the solutions to all my brain problems at night. And so I woke up, I stretched my arms up. I was like, good morning. Did you greet and the I, sun like she told you I to do by the window? I greeted the sun. Yes. Yeah, I said, what is up, sun? <laughs> Maddie, I felt great. I was like, I need to keep doing this. It just seems so hard. <laughs> she said, change your whole life. <laughs> I know. I definitely, I mean, 15 minutes just to stretch, tough. But can I do, can I greet the sun in the morning? <laughs> I want to try. I want to try. Okay, so we get a little bit of her backstory. So, uh, her dad dies when she's nine, which mm-hmm. she does not put in the book. This is a book, uh, I have to say, this is a book of lies for sure. Uh, no, a, not a book of lies, a book of, um, a book of- Like a glossy con- truth? Yeah, like a glossy, like uh, some key information is missing in the mm. book so that, and I was like, oh, that's why this book is so joyful and lovely because you definitely skipped the truth of the hard parts of life. Mm-hmm. I thought that. I was like, her life seems so just like, I was like, she seems so light. Like everything yes. in the book, Like I feel like there's so much, like even though she's like the past, forget about it. That doesn't help you. Yeah, but like, move on. Yeah, truly. But I was like, she is just like moving with like this levity that I was like, has she yes. not had anything bad happen to her? Has she lived like the ultimate life of privilege that she's just like gliding through life and the rest of us are like- Are just like sad? drowning yeah. in trauma? Yeah. <laughs> I'm- you know, I can't tell if, because I really do think she does move, she did move through the world with a lightness mm-hmm. and grace, but I also wondered if the book was just lying to us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, just how much of this is real? Because there's a part later in the book that she talks about wanting to like uh, go back and remember her childhood, embrace it. And people who don't want to do that probably didn't have a very good childhood and she feels yes. bad for them. And I was like, oh, shit. But the truth is that, I mean, she did grow up very rich, but mm-hmm. her her father passes away when she's nine. There's interviews, like recent interviews, where she it still really affects her. Mm-hmm. Then her family leaves Britain just before the war happens, and she is left alone to care for her brothers in New York City while her mom goes on a theater tour and then goes to L.A. And then this is what happens. She says, at the end of the summer, I received a wire from her. Suggest you put the boys in school, close up the apartment, come out to Los Angeles. Okay? I guess telegrams, you know, a word was expensive. So suggest you. I was 16 years old. I realize now that I was more responsible than I would expect a 16-year-old to be. But the war bred that kind of self-reliance. I'd been taught how to iron my brother's shirts and pack their trunks. It had to be done, so I did it. I often think that those of us who grew up in the Depression have an ability to roll with the punches. Having endured some hard times— I know I appreciate what came my way much more than if it had just dropped in my lap. Mm-hmm. You take care of tomorrow more when you've come through a war. Maybe that's her levity. She's like, bitch, I saw war. I saw the depression at 16 years old. I was taking care of my mm-hmm. twin brothers. I, I'm i now going to stretch with joy and greet the sun. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I was thinking about this because it's also like anytime I like make it over something difficult, like truly overcome a trauma, I'm like, maybe the world can have at me. Like, it's this like, maybe I'm unstoppable. Maybe she was like, it can't get worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. And I mean, like, 16 years old, mm-hmm. she's closing up the apartment. All By the way, where are her brothers okay? Just was shipped their asses off to school, went to LA. Also, Maddie, I have to say, you are also someone who moves through the world with such lightness and joy Thank and you. grace. And underneath it, you've been through some stuff. You know what I mean? It's a real twist. <laughs> guys, and you'll have to tune into the later podcast to figure out what that twist is. <laughs> you guys, Gilda Radner, it's coming. We're like edging the cookies on like a Gilda Radner episode. Okay, so- When she is 18 years old, so like two years after getting to LA, she's put under contract at MGM Studios, which is like everything actors want to do, though. At at that time, you want to be under contract with the studio. Totally. Immediately is in the movie Gaslight, which is where the term gaslighting comes from. Um, Yeah, actually, my T-Mom Z taught me this when I was young. So the movie is this guy, he's like, turning these gas lamps up and down in the movie. And the woman is like, the lights are getting dimmer. He's like actually making her think she's crazy. And so 
And then I swear to God, like in the Trump era, someone rediscovered the word gaslighting. And now housewives are like banding about like with an incorrect definition. Like every time someone says something they don't like, they're like, you're gaslighting me. And it's like, that is not what it means. Are you... Do you do you hear the word gaslighting misused constantly? So constantly, I'm sure I've misused it. You just opened like you just shed some light on it for me, where I was like, I knew that's what it meant, but what a great visual! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very specific manipulation of your reality, and then a set of lies yes. to make you doubt your own sanity. Um. Anyways, this is my hot goss. Okay, so. <laughs> She gets nominated for an Oscar, her first film, insane. And then she marries Peter Shaw in 1949. They're still together till the day he dies. She is quoted as saying they truly had the perfect relationship. And in the book, you know I love this, she printed her wedding pics and I put them on, I'll put them on my Instagram again. But did you see them? Yes, I saw those and then them just in the garden. Like I literally put it like a note next to them in the garden. Is this the idyllic partnership? Like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and they're they have tea every fucking day. Oh my god! But also when she then talks about like keeping an air of mystery for him, I was like, I know, and like it's it's oh yeah, it is pretty is pretty outdated. And she's like, let him wonder where your beautiful lashes came from. <laughs> like, what man needs to like not know how you get ready? Like that's funny to me. Where they're like, don't. Tell me, don't tell me why you look like this. I want a mystery. Like men want to be like Jessica Fletcher in their marriages. They're like, ooh, how'd she get so pretty? What's the mystery? Okay, so her wedding pictures were gorgeous. I'm sadly still so horny for wedding content. Like whenever I see a woman's wedding, like her wedding dress is like this white floral print and kind of, it almost is like, it's like a Ralph Lauren polo shirt became a dress in this sort of, white floral print and then she has a white flower crown it is so gorgeous yes oh it's beautiful it's like um like just above her ankles i really loved it i i i gave it a 10 out of 10 especially that year and like the flowers on her head mm-hmm. oh i loved it and then here's the thing she skipped that she was married before so she just <laughs> didn't include it in the book which i guess i i don't know i guess sure maybe you can't work out if we're talking divorce but <laughs> also there's she, no google you can, you don't yeah. know Oh, that's right. 1990. You don't know she wasn't. You're right. She's just rewriting the narrative. She said, this is actually my truth. (laughs) This is this. Peter Shaw was my first. Um, So she was married before to uh, a PR guy for one year who leaves her by coming home to a note, the original burger on Sex and the City. Thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. So he leaves her with a note that is like, sorry, I can't go on. Uh, from Google, I found out he was actually gay. <gasps> he, yeah, he was fighting himself, but she, yeah. And so then she remarries uh, Peter Shaw. And, but yeah, never, never, never talks about it. But from the internet says that they stayed friends, <sighs> um, like distant friends, which I love for them. Me too. Okay. So then we're kind of still back in the beginning where we're getting to learn about her life. And I have the funniest cookie tie-in. So she was in a movie called Kind's Lady with Ethel Barrymore. Now, Maddie, did you know that Drew Barrymore is of the Barrymore line oh. of like generations of famous actors? You act like I don't love Drew. I love Drew. I don't know. <laughs> but Ethel Barrymore gets sick for three weeks. And so they shut down the movie and the actors in it get paid for three weeks. She says, we were laid off for three weeks with pay. So that paid for a swimming pool. We called it the Ethel Barrymore pool. <laughs> And the cookie tie-in is that Patti LuPone took her settlement from Andrew Lloyd Webber and made the Andrew Lloyd Webber memorial pool at her house, which, because she wants him dead, because she hates him. (laughs) I didn't know. I love that. I know. But it's like all these, like, little celebrity names pools. It makes me want, like, some sort of, what kind of pool do I want? I think I want, like, I want, I want, like, a punny celebrity name for my pool. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The Matthew Pooley. Or the, um, and then the other wild cookie tie-in is that she has a house in Malibu with Peter, and it's destroyed by a terrible fire in 1970. Malibu and the fires. I mean, oh my God. But also in Minnie Driver's celebrity memoir, her Malibu house, uh, it, there's a fire all around it, but she saves her house, um, or her house is saved. And Ricky Lake's Malibu house um, is destroyed in a fire that she has to go to court because they think Ricky like started it and she has to like prove her innocence. Oh my God. So this is like a very weird like Malibu fire 
celebrity book club theme. Um, okay. Then, Maddie, did you notice this? Mm-hmm. So she prints a picture of, she said, the caption is, here's our young family in California in the late 50s. It's her and Peter and their two kids. Um, she had a girl and a boy. Now, here's the thing. Earlier in the book, she said Peter Shaw's son from his first marriage also <gasps> lives with them. I forgot about, oh my God, girl. <laughs> she just like cut the other son out of the book. Okay, I didn't. Okay, I absolutely, I read that and I thought, oh, that's really nice. And now I forgot I forgot that she has erased him. Yeah, she's erased him. And here's the thing, like, I was trying to think it through. It's like, well, maybe he's with his mother. This is some this is some photo when he was, you know, with his mom and they took this photo. But but you did print it in the book yeah. as your family. And you, you're definitely cutting out the kid that's not yours, which actually made me really sad. Yeah. Okay, so... Then we then on page 19 it gets sad. So she says on set out of frustration she began to overeat. I became mm-hmm. quite sedentary and overweight, carrying around an extra 15 pounds. Is it 15? I circled how much she weighed later cuz I wasn't sure if we were going to uh, talk about the fact that I was like, "My queen, this is not <laughs> This is not good, my queen. It was it's actually really bad and toxic." <laughs> I wonder why I had a good time reading this. I'm not sure. Um so Yeah, okay, so we're going to get into that later. But we're sticking to the book for now. What did you think of this? She did her own makeup for the show to herself at home. And she also, later in the book, says she dyes and cuts her own hair. So that little Angela Lansbury haircut, that's her. Yeah, she went, doesn't it look good? I went, how do you see the back of your head? (laughs) Yes. Also, like, a part of me got mad for her. I was like, this should be done for you. And then, then I realized in the book, I think she wanted to do it herself. I think she's like... Very much like minimal makeup looks best on my skin. Like I know my skin. I know my, like she is her own hair and makeup. Oh, like I, it was, it became very clear to me that she's so aware of her appearance and the way she looks and not only the way that she perceives herself, but the way she wants other people to perceive her and like take her in. So I think like her being in charge of her hair and makeup was her being like, no, no, I have the ultimate control. You're right. She just like took it into her own hands. It's so funny to think about that show. She's just the hair and makeup artist. (laughs) Yes, but also her skin looked so porcelain. Then she has really good advice. This is advice that was actually given to me in um, acting school. Uh, Such such a bummer, (laughs) but great advice. And I think it applies to everything in life. And she's given this advice about like health and wellness. Whenever I've trusted my instincts about what's best for me, it's worked out well. So if you take my message to its logical conclusion, you won't follow my recommendations wholesale. I invite you to consider the philosophy and activities that have been beneficial to me, but always respect your individuality and your knowledge of yourself. Remember, you know better than anyone what works best for you. That's career advice. Mm-hmm. That is relationship advice. That is, I mean, even listening to this podcast advice. You know what I mean? It's just like all this, all the content you ever take in, books, anything, like, you just have to take what works for you and leave the rest. That's that's some of the best advice I ever got no. in school. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Because I think also, I guess, I guess part of it, she does do this thing. Again, like I said, like a bit of like, grandma, come on. But then every now and then <laughs> you're like, so wise. That was so yeah, wise. So, <laughs> yeah, and also it's, I think the reason why the book brought me joy is because she doesn't seem that hard up about no, it. No, 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 no. She's just sort of like, this is a, hey, here's what I eat, but honestly could care less what you do and um, <laughs> listen to some gentle piano. Have a great day. Or like, okay, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a bit that I highlighted that I really liked where she goes, I'm continuously beginning. Everything I do is another step toward growing up to attaining the optimum. And I was like, yes. Aww, like, I, yeah. I think there was so much in this book that was about like not being afraid to try new things and not seeing like... I think especially like it used to be like women hit 30 and then what are you doing with your life? And it's like so, so much of this was like, I am starting new things now. I'm learning new things every day and I'm always trying to become my best self, which I thought was very beautiful. I think that is really beautiful. It's this, it's this like joyful and sad thing in this book where for the time in 1990 and sadly a little bit for the time now, what she's saying is like very positive and in a way woke of like how we treat women, how we, how we treat aging. And it's like, it's sad that that was revolutionary. And also you're happy it exists. Yes. But also like later in the book, she's going to say that in the Manchurian candidate, she was 37 playing the mother, the like gross old mother 
to a 34-year-old actor and later has to convince people that she's not, like, actually 90 in order to, like, keep working. Yes. And she was 37. It's just angering. But that's where you're like, oh, this book for this moment in time, revolutionary. Yes. She didn't just, like, accept her fate. Yeah. And, and, she'll, and she was also telling everyone else, like, like, ignore culture. Like, love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, okay, and then she does the opposite. So she gets, she, oh, lots of lotion. She loves lotion. If you see the video, just, oh, she's bathing in lotion. <laughs> and she gives herself a massage to give her, get her circulation going, get to know her body, remember who she is. You're like, love that. Then she says she pinches the parts of her body she doesn't like. I said, no, no. Ma'am, this is not how I could begin each day. <laughs> I can, are you kidding me? That's, <laughs> and I think she was like, I think she was seen as like, I to, you know, send some blood there, get it moving. But I don't know. Maybe that's me trying to be nice about it. But then, but then she'll flip back to great. I actually thought of you when I highlighted this. She said, I make a concerted effort to banish any destructive attitudes I might have been holding in. There's a trick I use. When I catch myself saying, I can't do this or that won't work or I'm not good at that, I quickly say to myself, cancel that. I'm going to expect the best. <laughs> that is exactly what I do. I'm always like, I'll have a negative thought and be like, who is this for? <laughs> and I'll be like, moving on. <laughs> I'll be like, is this helping oh. anything? And then, and or I'll say the exact opposite of what I just said in my head and then be like, power through. <laughs> power through. <laughs> You're better. You know, I have to say, I am, uh, I am vicious to myself in a way that I like, I can't, it definitely is like tied to my mental, mm-hmm. to my mental health. See previous episodes, <laughs> and um, it's like it's very intrusive. It's like hard to sometimes get it to go away. And so I really I want to try like something cutesy like that. Cancel that. Ooh, cancel that. <laughs> I'm gonna expect the best. The one that the other one has really helped me too is uh, my therapist taught me this: is what if it goes okay? Mm-hmm. Not great, not good. You just say, well, what if it goes okay? And I never ask that. And that's helped me in my most anxious moments. Chelsea, I think it's like one of those things too, where it's like, you're so immensely talented and like truly have this light that like truly radiates when you walk into a room. So it like, I think it's just like, not, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, why would you doubt yourself? Like, and me just be myself where I'm just like, Chelsea, no, like- <laughs> Don't do it. And I think that's just uh, the voice where you have to go, no. <laughs> no. Listen to Maddie. Don't listen to yourself. I'm going to, I honestly am going to pull this from the podcast and then just like, maybe it's my ringtone now. Um, but also, don't you feel like, really like when any of my friends are, you know, they kind of like open up this, the dark thoughts they're having, whether it's mm-hmm. like a relationship or something, you're just like, no, you you, you God. And it's not like in a hyperbolic, like it's not real way, but it's like truly like the most beautiful, talented creature on earth. Like, how could you do this to yourself? Oh my God. Do you remember what I, remember what I said in the room that became a running joke? I genuinely pitched this, you guys. And, um, the room, uh, laughed me out and then it came up as a joke, but I don't even remember where I heard this. Like if Maddie was like, uh, I'm not good at this. I go, Hey, don't talk to my friend like that. I love it. Don't talk about hey, my friend like that. Don't talk about my friend like that as a way to say, like, don't be mean to yourself. That's my friend. But then at the same time, we started a jar for another writer in the room, and I made bucks for every time she said something bad about herself. I was like, you're going to pay for this. Yeah, that, that, I mean, do you think that worked? She did helped. really slow down because she's like, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Maybe you just put money on the yeah. line. <laughs> you got to put accountability on. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. I, I'm. I just have to say, I. I really love that this is our like launch into the new year episode. I feel. I feel like lots of hot. Lots of hot knowledge is dropping right now. Maddie. Hell yeah! <laughs> to tie it back into this book, mm-hmm. I uh, extraordinarily struggled with my weight and my how I felt about myself to um, an intense amount of disordered eating and really. I mean, it was just every waking mm-hmm. moment of every oh, day for me. I think. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now looking back, I can see that like I sort of wasn't dealing with a lot of other things in my life and sort of all of that pain also went in. So it's like on top of dealing with my body, I was funneling pain I felt about other things into just how I felt about my body. Do you know what oh. I mean? Like actual, actual very bad things were going on around me. And I was like, how much do I weigh today? Like, you oh. know, I was. Yes. It's taking yeah. it out on yourself too. You can focus on this like one little yes. thing. Yes, yes. 
and you know, yeah, I was, I was a teenager. It was like, I didn't even realize what I was doing, but I can just read these journal entries of such intense, intense pain about myself mm-hmm. in a way that um, I have fucking, thank God, moved through now. And even, I can even read a book like this where she's like lamenting 15 pounds and I can roll my eyes and laugh at it. Whereas another point in life, I it probably would, I probably would have been doing the math. Like, well, how tall is, like we're the same height. Oh. She's 5'8 and I am five, I'm technically 5'7 five, and a half, Maddie knows. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, I would have been comparing myself to her and the numbers she wrote down. And like, now I can just find it funny, which I feel like is a good goal. It's okay. Are you ready? Because there was a bit of it that I was like, some of it is funny, but then some of it, 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 it is this like almost unwelcomed commentary about weight in my brain. Because it's like, I yeah. had to like, tr- I, the, a joke I made in the room once, or it wasn't a joke or it became a joke. I'm not sure if you were there, but I was talking about growing up watching The Biggest Loser and how <laughs> that made me feel as a child. Like as an eight-year-old yeah. girl, I was just like, I should be on The Biggest Loser. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you're no. in second grade. Well, it's just like this whole thing where it's like, you just, it becomes like such a fixation. And I've done, it, and it, oh my God, there are days where you slip up, but I've done so much work over the years to not be like, Chira. but then the point that really tr- like triggered something for me, this is 86. Okay, okay. I think the worst thing about the extra weight was, because of it, I began behaving differently and people treated me in a new way. And that's what, that's what eat every time I've like lost weight, people have treated me differently and I can like yeah. feel it. And I think that is something where you're like, no, I'm myself. People don't care about the way I look. And I think this book every now and then like just would be like, people do care about the way you look. And I was like, <laughs> Like, uh, and then there's another yeah. yeah. Um, No matter how good life is, when you're overweight, you lose your confidence. <laughs> They're just They're like, mm, that's not true. I also, yeah, she's definitely speaking like from another time. Here's here's the complicated like thought I want to present on that because yeah, there's definitely some really um, haunting, toxic, triggering, <laughs> haunting. Mm-hmm. Haunting stated as fact things in this book, even though it's enshrouded in a very um, more positive than most uh, health and wellness books from the time where there's something in like in having body positivity and like wanting to break these like old things around mm-hmm. us or like, you know, what you learn from watching The Biggest Loser as a kid and all these things where it's like this battle between loving yourself and just going forward and also co- culture around you has opinions on everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes where, and I'm not going to say I disagree, but where I have a more complicated take on this is that sometimes I feel like people ignore that. They're just like, just love yourself. Just love yourself yes. and accept yourself as the way you are. And life is great. And it's like, okay, but you can't erase the a hundred like little moments you'll have during the day that remind you of who you are. And like, we should, I, I like when people like accurately talk about the pressures mm-hmm. to fe- to look a certain way, to feel a certain way, as opposed to pretending that those pressures don't exist. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like as, as a way to like, how do we get better? I don't think we can like get better as a culture unless we like also acknowledge that this pressure is there. Like how do you tell a young woman to not care about this when everyone around her cares about mm-hmm. it? especially when you're in high school and people make comments or yeah. even truly elementary school. That's more what I would say. It's more vicious. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. I remember um, freshman year of high school, this girl lined me and some other girls up to see who had the biggest butt in the freshman class. Okay, a flex now. And but it bad. was, <laughs> yeah, a flex now, as I say, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, rem- but I remember feeling so ashamed of something that I, I truly treasure this ass, Maddie. You know what I mean? Like, um, Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. 
Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life, and I can't believe it, but I got to write my own, and it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, backing into the book, she says some really painful stuff. So a celebrity book club, drinking bingo. She lists her exact weight. Yes. This was fucking tragic. She's like, we were watching a video of my grandson's birthday. I remembered the barbecue, the happiness of the day. It was so joyful to have my family. I felt all this love until I saw the video and I saw that I was hideous. I was a hideous beast. <laughs> You're like, no. And then she's like, I was so overweight. I was a beast. I was. Chelsea, that begins this chapter. <laughs> that, that is how she opens this chapter about weight. I know. I was like, also, and and what she considers overweight. Yeah, it was, it was you know what? You're right. It was painful. Like, okay, I'm going to read you another terrible part where I literally okay. go, ah, uh, oh my God, ah. Uh. Because <laughs> she talks about, like, food doesn't solve your problems. Get out of here. Have you ever eaten a whole pie while sad? It's as- <laughs> it's, it has healing magic okay, in it. I have problem solved. Okay. I only have to think about the consequences of certain foods will mean to me. Just looking around at the results of other people's overeating also helps me a lot. I can just visualize another person who is five times bigger than I am, <laughs> who does indulge in too much of the wrong foods, and it helps me resist without feeling deprived. If you feel a bit deprived, hopefully that feeling of deprivation will be, <laughs> will be overcome by your sense of accomplishment at fitting into your clothes, Wow, you look great. Those are wonderful words for a woman to hear. I swear to God that is not in my book because I would have run screaming. What page is that for you? <laughs> I think I, it's page 106. That is horrifying. It's What I wrote is, this is my internalized fat phobia and desperate need to love myself at war. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is horrifying. Yes. That's also, that's that. Okay, you know what? It 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 is in my book. I think I <laughs> you said la, I think la, I, la, la, la. <laughs> I I somehow uh I don't know, maybe maybe that's why I had a good Oh, that's right. The anti-meme pages were before this and I was really into those pages. I took pictures and sent uh, pics to my godmother and I, so maybe I missed that next page which is probably the worst page no, in the book. No, you read the whole page and it only gets worse and then the next page you think, "No, Angela, no." Okay, so then she talks about how, like, some women will poke fun at all the food they eat. I wrote, Angela Lansbury, you've never been called fat. Like, I literally was like, yeah. this is just, like, getting ahead of the problem and, like, calling it out so, like, other people can't call it out. Like, made snide comments. And she goes, if you indulge in telling this sort of story, it might be worthwhile to think about the entertainment value being overweight is providing you. What? <laughs> oh, my God. I seriously... <laughs> But then, see, because then she comes, she'll have something nice where she'll be like, um, she'll be talking about how like curves are good. And it's a little problematic, but she's like, <laughs> curves are good. And then she's like, women go overboard with dieting to compete with other women. Mm -hmm. Like, don't do that. And you're like, okay, that's nice. And then, and then she said, by all standards of thinness, I'm not thin. I'm just regular. <laughs> I said, like, get out of here. Get a out TV of here. Star. I'm just regular. <laughs> I'm just a regular girl. Um, 
But, you know, in the sense of, like, 1990s, what thinness was, like, fuck, yeah, I guess she was yeah, regular. Yeah, like that, like, Kate Moss, a paper in the wind <laughs> blowing yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what actually sadly triggered me besides the chapter about making bread. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Um, the second bread fucking book this year, Constance Booze was the first. Um, so the, what triggered me was actually the menu. Her day's yes, menu. The, Chelsea, yes. I mentioned this earlier. I was like, what a sad eating schedule. I know, but it, but the, weirdly also what triggered me was just like, it almost felt like influencer. Like you could see a TikTok of like what I eat in a day and like all these fresh veggies and fruit and cute plates mm-hmm. and just like, I, just, that's so, that's so, I don't even, the preparing feels <laughs> tenuous. Also, who has the time? It is such a privilege to have the time to have like these prepared, organized, like healthy meals. Like yeah. it's, it's, like, unless you can truly afford a meal prep program, <laughs> like, when? Yeah. When? Well, also, like, at 4 p.m., a cup of tea and an oatmeal cookie or a homemade blueberry muffin. That actually is awesome. You don't often see that in diet books where they're like, I'm having a cookie and tea. Um, so I liked that. It's just sort of like, damn, a homemade muffin? <laughs> <laughs> like, she must have a chef, right? Yeah. I don't know. She really does seem to like to do everything herself. I think she has a nanny. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do think she's doing the cooking. I mean, I know she has a nanny. She says it. Yeah, because she talks about how, where she was like, I don't like how times are changing and women should, like, are taught to feel ashamed for asking for help when raising their household and having other things to do. Like, now women are given such a hard time about it, and I don't understand. Yeah, that was a, that was a really nice I part. I like that. Um, I do, too. I feel like sometimes that message is now put out into the world of, like, everyone should get a nanny. If you can, you should. And you're like, okay, now we're ignoring, <laughs> now we're ignoring what money is. Yes. But uh, I like the way Angela stated it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then she has a bunch of recipes, which obviously I'm skipping. And they honestly, even, I, I'm not a foodie, don't like recipes. I don't cook that much. I read those recipes and I said, these have no flavor. The, there's no flavor in any recipe. Not a spice in like, sight. <laughs> not a spice in sight. I said, this does not sound good to me. Okay, so then on page 109, she prints some shade about share, some share shade in the book. Now, here's the thing. Angela defends share in the book, but still prints the shady part. Also, Sharon Stone shaded Cher. I don't like it. And here's what I want to say. We did an episode on Cher. Cher's memoir is filled with um, low self-esteem and how everyone hates her and makes fun of her, which was really hard for me to take in being my Mm -hmm. age and knowing Cher is an icon. It was just very confusing. Then in books like these, it's just like, oh, it was commonplace to make fun of Cher and call her a joke. Like This actually explains Cher's memoir to me. She wrote, I went to the wonderful Hollywood designer, Bob Mackie, for a gown. Everybody said, Bob Mackie, you don't want to come out looking like Cher. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with looking like Cher. However, I want to look like Angela Lansbury, but with all the drama and excitement that heightened larger-than-life look that we expect from the theater. Basically talking about Bob Mackie made Cher, like when Cher is in that giant feather headdress and like black sequin bikini. It's like slightly native Oh, you see it at the forum. When you walk into the floor of the forum— there's like a huge thing of her there. Uh, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of her. Yeah, so that was Bob Mackie, and she was considered like a joke, which I look at her as a goal. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, I was like, oh, why are you printing this about Cher? And then she has a, you know, just like a standard gown from Bob Mackie made uh, and not like one of the incredible, iconic, fashion-changing Cher gowns. Anybody that tries to tear down like generational icons, I'm like, Shut up. <laughs> like, yeah, what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> like, what have you done? Like, and also, like, where's your courage? What, like, where's your courage to be fucked up and have everyone look at you strangely and keep your head held oh, high? Okay, and then here's just, like, a theory I have is, like, we just build female pop stars up to absolutely tear them down. Like, especially when, like, yes. somebody really starts to rise and really starts to make it big. Like, I just kind of wait. Because, like, suddenly, like, yes. everybody, like, turns on them and everybody like hates them and we they suck and I think like so much of that like culture shift is just because like this this woman has taken up too much space yeah I also Anne Hathaway oh my god that's the Anne Hathaway I'm literally you know what I mean I didn't know people mm -hmm. didn't like Anne Hathaway because I had always liked Anne Hathaway and then people were like she sucks I was like 
no. <laughs> yeah, but it, it almost became like a cultural joke moment the way Keanu Reeves did in the 90s mm. um, of like where kind of everyone sort of decides this thing that then takes over your narrative. Mm. And, Anne, and Anne Hathaway steps away from acting for four years. She said, people were sick of me. Yeah. And then she comes back around, which, yeah, it, you're, you're totally right. It's like, we build the pedestal to put them on it, to have the fun of shoving them off and only God, to women. We don't do it to men. Hello, Brad Pitt. No, you're no, still around. No. Like, what? You're still around. He, Angelina Jolie said you abused our children. And people are like, oh my God, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston face. Like, like, shut up. Yeah. Well, this is a great way to tangent into a chapter about riding a bike. She's like, you got to ride that bike. Oh, oh God, it was ridiculous. Chelsea, but then before we get into riding the bike in a similar physical activity, she goes, sometimes I just like to dance. And then she put in all those <laughs> photos of her just like, kind of just like lofting around and just. <laughs> yes. And in the video, she calls it free movement. And it is, it's like an acting class where you're just like, ooh, and ah. And I got to tell you about those dance moves, not a spice no, in sight. That's <laughs> not a spice in sight. <laughs> lots of arms, a <laughs> lot of arms. I loved it. Yeah. The video is actually really, really fun to watch. Um, okay. Then she gets real horny in that garden. Uh, the way she looks at lettuce, oh my God. If she looks at her husband with half the adoration. Oh my God. Well, also, she loves the male gaze. <laughs> it doesn't, here's the thing. I can't be a garden woman. I know I can't, but do I want that for myself? Like, yeah, totally. absolutely. I would love to be a garden lady. Um, it looks like a beautiful life. And then Maddie, you can come over and we'll talk about life. Yes. Fucking pull marriage okay, up. Herbs. <laughs> Let's chop herbs. What are we going to make? I don't know. Both of us. Then she gets really horny for teacups. And Maddie, this I can do. I can I can collect teacups and I will. I will. I, literally, the moment I finished reading this, I said, this is my life now. Okay, here's the paragraph. I have a special collection of teacups that I've acquired over the years. Some were gifts, some lucky finds when I was traveling or working on location. Some remnants of old sets of China. One day, I might use a dainty pastel cup that was my sister's favorite. The next day, I'll be in the mood for a big, bowl-like peasant's cup I brought back from Ireland. Each has the power to evoke an atmosphere and time and place in my mind. I said, I, I want to fuck with cups like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to just like each cup as a fucking story. Um, and then this is this actually, if there is one thing that elevated my life in the book, it's this. I think little ceremonies help us. They remind us that some things never change, that we can always recreate special moments when we feel the need. And then she talks about, I make a special ceremony of getting ready to take a lovely, relaxing bath with wonderful soft towels and fragrant oils, even scented candles and soft music if I really want to go for it. And then she talks about like Christmas and like Basically, little ceremonies reminding you to take joy in these moments in life. And I also, um, I'm not a good at homemaking, mm -hmm. but I do like a beautiful home. Yes. I just don't know how to get there. And so I felt like, oh, what if my way in is ceremonies? I'm making little ceremonies because mm -hmm. that my brain can understand. Now I can get the teacups and make a little tray. I'm like, oh, it's our little ceremony. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I think if it's a ceremony, I can definitely learn how to get like matching napkins. Uh, <laughs> I also highlighted a passage where my hope is that each generation gains a sense of identity, a feeling of who we are and where we belong from special times together. Like, I loved that. I was like- I really love that too. Like, I think, and I just read it as somebody that like experiences so much found family rather than like true blood family. Like- you really do yeah. when you get to gather your people and kind of like make something special. It's like, those are your like foundational moments. Like that's at the core of who you are. Like, Yeah, I, I love that. I also, I was thinking back to, cause you know, we moved around a lot and I think, and I know like you had some big moves in your life too. It's like traditions and ceremonies and things that take you back. But then I was just thinking about how I love making um, chocolate chip cookies and like pouring oatmeal in and using some applesauce for butter because that's how my mom used to mm -hmm. make them all the time. And so it just reminds me of my mom. And like, I love drinking um, lattes because like, that's my mom. And that to me, I was like, oh, little ceremonies. Like, 
you know, I always sort of thought like, oh, these big family traditions had to be something like we all gather around the tree on the 24th and like one of you puts a star on the tree every Mm -hmm. year and then we like sing a carol, which like sounds great, but like I don't have 30 years of that in my life. Do you know what I mean? Mm -mm. But it's like, oh, the traditions can be, the little ceremonies can be littler. Like I had all my friends over for a pandemic Thanksgiving and I think it was one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had, but it wasn't like, traditional. It was like, look at this like sound thing that we have, like this thing that we've created for ourselves. I love this so much. And also because this is coming out around the holidays, I'm going to also say my favorite tradition. We're very similar in this way, like found family and just like making, making your moments. And my godmother, Grace, um, her Christmas Eve tradition, which we didn't have every Christmas together, but on the Christmases we did, it's to go to um, a diner at like 11.30 on Christmas Eve. As late as you mm-hmm. can go. Basically, the hour, no one wants to be working. Mm. And there's usually one waitress in there. Often it's like Denny's Waffle House, yeah. the server who has to work on Christmas Eve. And you save up all your money. You order like hot chocolate and pie. And then you put is just a shit ton of cash um, on the table Ugh. and leave. Oh, my God. Chelsea, and that's amazing. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like, I also, you know, I was witnessing it as like a, a young teenager yeah. and like thinking like, I want to be that one day. And like one of my favorite Christmases of all time, I was by myself, but I was like working in TV and like had money and like went to a diner and just was like left that. And it like, and it, yeah, it like tied me back to my family. It also tied you back to like what matters yeah. and like these like, and it's not that you know, we all open a present before Christmas Eve type of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. And that it's okay. Chelsea, I now feel like my mom who listens to this podcast is now her favorite podcast. Shout out my mom. She'll totally do this. We'll totally do this. I love your mom. <laughs> I love your mom so we, much. Okay. I love yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's like- It's a good no, one. No, that's, that's amazing. Like that's something that's so like, it's like you're paying it forward. It feels so like karmically good, but also like you you remember like what that, that can mean a lot to someone. Yeah. And also I was a server for so many years when people leave a big tip. It's just, it's just life changing. So it also feels like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm talking to myself. Okay. Okay. Back into the book. Maddie's (laughs) got to go to work. Okay. So, um, she talks about Auntie Mame, how she plays Auntie Mame on Broadway, which Auntie Mame is like a huge role in my life. My godmother, Grace, like took me to see Auntie Mame at like a high school, a town over and like, and I, I texted her the chapter about Auntie Mame and she texted me back. Bless all the dear wild women. May they continue to inspire. I just like, we just need wild women in our lives. Do you know what I mean? I love that musical for that reason. Yeah. I feel like it's like anytime you see a woman that's just like, fuck it. <laughs> just like out there. Yes. I'm like, you're everything to me. <laughs> you're everything to me. I will follow you. Do you have a yes, cult? Sure. I'll join. Hell yeah. Sure. Chelsea. I do aspire to be a wild woman. Like even when I like get a little afraid, I just remember like, Wildness is like everything, especially in a, a feminine sense. Like any feminine energy, putting, <laughs> bringing wildness to it, I feel like is it's like can move your insides, you know? Yeah. Okay, but then Chelsea, oh. in the contrast to this, like I felt like Angela is this more of like refined sense of femininity that like yes. so many people like that. I like I. I feel like have always struggled to have access to this sort of femininity. Like I feel like it's kind of been just like just out of my grasp, but like whether it's like the the way I look, the way I was raised, like everything about this was like, and I've always been like clunky. I've never been graceful. Like same, she's just talks about like the ease of a beautiful woman walking. And I was like, hello? Oh, and your posture. <laughs> and, oh my God. As a child, she attends classes at the League of Health and Beauty. Chelsea, I literally looked up like a ballet studio near my house. I was like, should I be more graceful? No, no. Oh. See, it is, that's, that's when books are actually toxic. Like when you, when you're like, should I be doing this crazy thing? Also, I mean, she literally opens the book thanking someone for always showing her when her slip is showing. Like this is a woman who wears a slip. You know what I mean? It's just different. It's different. But you're right. She definitely represents this refined womanhood in a very specific sense of womanhood mm-hmm. um, that I don't aspire to or accept. Yeah. I don't accept that this is femininity. Yeah, I think it's, and maybe it's like my little East Coast heart, you know, where it was a little bit of it. I was like, ah, uh, like it did so much remind me of like- Should I be proper? <laughs> like of like yes. when I had to be like taken to my friends' country clubs. And not only not only was I like the only person of color in there most of the time, but I was like, 
uh, like just something about, it's like not in my bones to be this sort of woman. Same. (laughs) This is why we're such close friends. Yeah, like it can't happen. It's not in Mm -hmm. me. It'll never, I don't even like the nice restaurants. Often when I go to a nice restaurant, I'm like, Olive Garden does it better. (laughs) My mom once took me to a very fancy Italian restaurant. I looked at her and said, this is just as good as Chef Boyardee. (laughs) She went, shh. Angela clearly has such a specific relationship to food that, like, also I don't have. But I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. I, she's definitely, she's living her own life. You know what I mean? And she's, you're right. Those are really good points. Well, here's what I'll say. Here's what, here's what I'll say to that. I'm going to read this paragraph. She said, The woman who tries to deny the changes time has wrought is not trusting that her natural qualities will shine through. We've all seen women who cling to styles, hairdos, and makeup that flattered them when they were 35, but are simply inappropriate at 65. The body changes, and we can't ignore that. I wrote, I can and I will. (laughs) I literally, for a second, I like almost stutter stepped. I was like, ma'am? And you were going to go. I I agree, honestly. No. No, I have only... The older I get, the more, quote, unquote, inappropriate I dress. Like, I don't adhere to this in any fucking way. And I never will. And I think that's, like, very dated and ridiculous. It's so interesting because she, there's so many times in this book where she contradicts herself. Like, I can feel herself wanting, like, I can feel her wanting to be progressive. And she kind of retracts it. Like, because I think it's, like, that is truly what's in her bones versus, like, I think what mentally she's trying to be and what she's striving towards. Like, because I believe her. She says, every day I try to change. But then it's, like, she, in the beginning of the book, is, like, women who are older should not be limited. You should be able to, like, be yourself and accept this is a new phase of life. But then she says this, where she's, like, be the the person you're meant to be. Like, you have to change with each decade. Like, she said something, like, oh, yeah. Right in the beginning, where as we... Yeah. As we grow older, I wonder whether much of our behavior alters because we feel differently and respond to real physical changes or because we think we are expected to behave in a certain way in order to act our age. And she says that on page four. <laughs> yeah. But, and he, but here's the thing, though. And this is where I'm like, this book is, she's rewriting the narrative. We already mm-hmm. know this. But it's like, if you don't think Cher is iconic, I don't trust oh. your taste in what you think a woman should wear at 65. Yeah, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, we have to get into the rest of the book, Maddie, yes. before you go. So, the I love it. She says she got plastic surgery twice on her neckline. I said, yes, admit it, because it's, this seemed like something she wouldn't yeah. have said. So I said, okay. And then on, um, and then she, yeah, yep, she says some more things of like, don't you want people to enjoy your good looks? Yes, and you're like, I also okay. highlighted that. Like, yeah, boy. And then, um, and then, Let's just read the end of the book because we really are at the end and we have a cliffhanger to come back. Not a cliffhanger. We have a, a, a twist Ooh, okay. to get to. She says, very end, I feel it's worth it to continue to present yourself as a woman of loveliness and dignity, a woman who feels good and knowing she's looking her best. You continue to attract attention as a feminine sexual person. The right kind of attention never has to stop unless you want it to. Okay, that was not the epilogue. That was mm-hmm. the passage where she talks about like, stay fucking. Fucking doesn't go away. You keep having sex if you want to have sex. And you're like, I like that she included that. And then the actual epilogue, she's back in Malibu and she ends it with, I've been daydreaming a lot lately, envisioning a piece of land where I can create the kind of garden I'd like to have, where I'll enjoy the luxury of space and privacy. I already find myself putting things away that I'll move to my country house, even though it doesn't exist yet, except in my imagination. When I find this magical spot, it will open up a whole new world for Peter and me. There's a lot I haven't had the chance to do yet in my life. I have so much to look forward to, and so do you. Now she's back to... Now she's back to being a joyful lady. I'm I like it. I'm telling you, like, now, Grandma is all over the place with her advice. <laughs> She really is. She's she really is. Now here's here's the tricky. Oh, yeah, twist. ready. So Peter Shaw, her only mm-hmm. husband. <laughs> but they, they are, I mean, they have this strong marriage. The interviews are just like, this is an incredible, incredible person in my life. So I said, let me look this man up. He was her husbander. He was her manager. He's a husbander. I said, I don't believe <laughs> anything about this marriage anymore. And Maybe, maybe, like, is it possible to have one good husbandger? No. I say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, it really, it really, and that kind of made me look at everything through a different lens. I even thought to myself, did he make her do this book? 
Did he make her say, you want a country house? You write a diet and health book. I am your husband. Uh. Like, I just, I don't know. And then, so here's the thing. I said, I need to find the truth about her husband, because it wasn't in the book. I just Google Angela Lansbury, Peter Shaw, scandal. I'm just looking oh for God. anything. Okay. I find out that in the book, she says, at one point, we wanted some fresh air, and I always loved Ireland, so we moved yes. to Ireland. There's this whole chapter about being uh-huh. in Ireland. In interviews herself, she said she found out her two kids, uh, teenagers, were hanging out with Charles Manson. (gasps) They were abusing heroin. What? They were intensely uh, abusing heroin. So they up and moved the family to the countryside of Ireland. Her kids are prescribed methadone as they detox off of heroin. And she just kind of holds them captive in Ireland, which honestly, I gotta Go say. Go off. Good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And um, But in the book, she's like, you know, we just enjoy Ireland and I wanted to cook. It kind of skips over, you know, her kids falling yeah. with Charles Manson. So it's just, you know, there's a lot missing from the book. So Maddie, we end every podcast with something I call the book dull test. Yes. Three questions. First question, was the author vulnerable? Did she share her truth? Her version no. of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give this no. one a no. I okay. think she I think she does do those stretches for sure. Oh, yes. Like um, there are bits where I'm yeah. like, I believe this is how you live your life, but I don't believe yes. you're opening the door into your soul, you know? It's, yes, completely agree. Okay, second question. Was the book entertaining to read? Yeah, I think so. I think I was entertained in the sense that I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say it was gentle. It was gentle. Shock value. I, I was like... <laughs> It did have shock value. And that video, that video is entertaining <laughs> as hell. Okay, last question. Did reading this book elevate your life in some way? I I always love putting my mental strength to the test. <laughs> and <laughs> this, this made me go, have you grown? <laughs> have you? And? There are bits that really stabbed into like the insecure still parts that are like lightly protected, you know? But then there are parts where I was like, you're wrong. Like, which made me go, yeah, yeah, I've grown. I've grown. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Maddie? Right now in this moment, we're taking those Angela stabs <laughs> and we're throwing them in the trash <laughs> no. together spiritually over this Zoom. Wait, Chelsea, can I tell you my fun Angela Lansbury story before we go? Yes. So in high school, my senior year of high school, I play Madame Arcadi in Blythe Spirit. My high okay. school like play and I go down to see Angela Lansbury as Madame Arcadi in Blythe Spirit at the National Theater. She is at this point, she is so old. <laughs> like, and it's so clear that the whole play is revolving around her. Like everybody's here to see her. So there's obviously this rift between the cast. Like, because there are points where I know every one of Angela Lansbury's lines. And she is skipping 15 pages ahead and then going all the way to the top of the play. And we are like close enough to see the actors' faces where I was like, they hate her right now. (laughs) Because the actors are really- What do you think was going on? She's really like, I remember she was walking around stage like, blah, blah. And I'd be like, that's not the line. (laughs) And then she'd be like, but your husband is the ghost. I mean, your wife. (laughs) Like it would be like stuff where- what? Like, and she'd be like, anyway. <laughs> and she'd just, <laughs> and then the other actress would be like, Madame Arcadi, don't you want to show us something? <laughs> just- oh, Maddie, I feel like this is further unlocking the mystery that is like, Angela's got some darkness <laughs> that she is not sharing yeah. with us. And we need to, Jessica Fletcher, murder she wrote, the real Angela yeah. Lansbury. That is a wild story, especially if that wasn't opening night. No. And like she didn't know, know her lines or yeah. something. She was just hopping all over the play. It was so funny to watch. Like they were pulling it off in a way. Like they were all like clearly everybody else around her. It wasn't their first rodeo with her doing this. That's amazing. Maddie, tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and love you as much as I do. Oh my God. Everything is Maddie Bain. M-A-T-T-I-E-B-A-Y-N-E. All Uh, platforms. (laughs) All platforms, baby. Um, Okay, you're coming back. I adore you. And thank you so much for doing this launch into 2023. It really feels like, I don't know. I feel, I feel, I feel giddy. I feel happy. Even though, even though Angela, you know, she doesn't like the way I dress, but I know Cher does. And that's all that matters to me. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. To 2023 we go. 
for this week's episode. Before we go, I do have to give a shout out to Angela Lansbury, putting a whole chapter about teacups in her book and a year later playing Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast with her son, Chip, who is a teacup. Very, very meta. I hope you enjoyed this lighter episode and that it was lighter and that hopefully you just took like one good thing and left the rest, just as Angela said. Since it is our New Year's episode, I'm going to share my New Year's resolutions for this podcast. In 2023, I have a big one. I Let's see if I do it. <laughs> I... I'm laughing as I say it because uh, I'm trying to shake myself seriously. First resolution for 2023 for this podcast, I'm going to try and cry less. That's right. Going to try and cry less. Uh, resolution number two, I'm going to make the How We Met stories shorter. I ran into some, some anonymous comments saying they wanted those stories to be shorter. If you agree, throw it in a review with, I don't know, five stars, and I'll be like, yeah, okay, good. I'm on the right path. If you love those stories and disagree, um, let me know. And then... Third resolution, it's not really in my control, but just really, I'm really craving one of those life-changing memoirs that can just really shift kind of the course of your existence because the book is just so good. And I'm just hoping one of those comes out this year. And there's so many new memoirs headed our way in 2023. I have very high hopes for them. I hope you have a wonderful new year. Support us on Patreon if you can. I will see you on the Facebook group if this episode made you have thoughts and discussions, which I'm sure it inspired a lot about some of the crazy shit Angela said, um, drop it in the Facebook group or drop it in the comments of my Instagram post. I'll make a post about this episode and you can have conversations there. Okay, on to 2023. I hope you have an amazing new year.